Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's August 10th, 1943, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. So it was on this day that General Patton delivered the slap heard around the world. But obviously it's easy to make your slap heard around the world when you've had practice. And this was actually the second time in a period of one week that he had slapped a shell-shocked American soldier. On the 3rd of August 1943, Patton was in Sicily where he was commanding his army and he turned up at a military hospital and he spotted uh, an infantryman who was called Charles H. Kuhl who had reported there the previous day for exhaustion. When he asked him what was wrong, Cool said he was nervous. Patton then slapped him across the face with his gloves, verbally berated him and physically tossed him out of the hospital tent. Uh, and in his diary, an unrepentant Patton noted the incident and said that cowards like that man should be shot. Yes, I gave him hell and slapped his face with my gloves, he wrote. Companies should deal with such men, and if they shirk, try them for cowardice. Yeah, so he mm. definitely felt like he was behaving in the exact right way when when he was visiting sick soldiers of his army in hospital. Uh, one week later, he visited another hospital. Here he encountered 21-year-old Private Paul G. Bennett, who had served in the army for four years, and he'd basically gone into what we would now call PTSD after one of his friends was wounded. And when Patton asked him what his problem was, he said, it's my nerves, I can't stand the shelling anymore. Do you have the quote for this, Ollie? According to one account, Patton screamed at the soldier, you dirty no good son of a bitch, you cowardly bastard, you're a disgrace to the army and you're going right back to the front to fight, although that's too good for you, you ought to be lined up against a wall and shot, although that's too good for you, in fact, I ought to shoot you myself right now, god damn you. Yeah, and rather than just sort of ushering him out of the medical tent, this time he actually drew his pistol on Bennett and was waving it threateningly in front of him. And it was at this stage that the hospital's commander, a guy called Colonel Donald E. Courier, he in intervened between the two and physically separated them. And Patton left the tent still yelling and cussing and um, accusing the guy of what he did. And he spent the next, you know, the remainder of his hospital tour just discussing this this guy's condition and standing by exactly what he had done. So he wasn't making any kind of secret of it. I was kind of slightly inclined maybe to give Patton the benefit of the doubt because his tactic for governing an army of working class blokes was use profanity, you know, mm. go for the jugular. And that actually he did this slapping because it was a, an act of propaganda. He wanted the soldiers to hear about it because he didn't care if they had PTSD. He wanted mm. them on the front line. And the PTSD problem, I'm sure, he didn't deny. But, you know, that would be for medics to deal with later. And his problem was getting out there and fighting the Germans. But then I read the diary, and it's really <laughs> clear that he both totally denied the existence of PTSD, even though shell shock is a term from World War I. And he totally stood by what he did, and he did just genuinely think... All of these guys were cowards. I, I think the fact that in this particular case there was so much horror around him, uh, it kind of 
emphasizes and underlines that that this wasn't normal, that what he was doing was way over the line. And the fact that he then got various kinds of reprimand really speaks to that. So after the second incident with Bennett, because of the use of the weapon in the whole thing, some of the officers who were there complained, and that prompted an investigation by the Supreme Commander of the Army, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, obviously later President Eisenhower. Uh, A week later, Patton was reprimanded by letter, and he had to meet with and apologise to Private Cool and Private Bennett, although his diary made it clear that he was (laughs) extremely insincere. Can I quote? It is rather a commentary on justice when an army commander has to soft soap a skulker to placate the timidity of those above. (laughs) He did live in a kind of cartoonish world. He had a very odd outlook on warfare. He lived for it, basically. And when the war ended, he, you know, on the day the Japanese surrendered, he wrote in his diary, yet another war has come to an end and with it my usefulness to the world. I found a speech on YouTube, which I'll I'll link to in the further reading show notes of this episode, (laughs) uh, in June 1945, in which he's giving a speech after victory in World War II to obviously kind of uh, veterans and their families in Boston. And he clearly goes off script. There's, he's, he's talking about celebrating the army doctors and nurses that have supported all of our, our brave soldiers. And he goes off script and he says, um, there are hundreds of thousands of soldiers in military hospitals that, and then he kind of smiles and he goes, that I think for the most part had a damn good time. And you can hear this kind of like slight outrage from the audience, but also like, yeah, that's what we really think. Yeah, we really, we're behind yeah. you. And he is, it's interesting then, the support from Trump, isn't it, now? Because he was a kind of... Trumpian figure, mm. wasn't he? Like, like now he would be mm. on a reality show putting people through their paces and calling them idiots. That's his thing. Do you know, in that same speech, I think it's the same one, where he basically, again, makes an off-script comment to the effect that the wounded soldiers are the real heroes because a lot of the soldiers who were killed were killed because they weren't smart enough to survive. But it reminded me so much of what... McCain. You remember what Trump said about John McCain yeah. where he says, I like guys mm. who didn't get captured. Absolutely. It was just, mm. you know, just crazy. But so what happened to Patton was that he remained in post, but his army was kept out of the frontline activity for about 11 months. And Eisenhower had already decided that Patton was not the right man to lead D-Day. But I think this incident probably cemented the idea that he couldn't be relied upon. I don't know if Trump ever ran his love of um, Patton past his son-in-law, though, because... (laughs) Uh, Another interesting uh, revelation from his diary are the following uh, quotations about displaced Jews after the Holocaust, whom he was responsible for in Germany. He wrote (laughs) that they are locusts, lower than animals, and lost to all decency. Bear in mind, after the Holocaust. Uh, They were a subhuman species without any of the cultural or social refinements of our times. Um, And it said that a UN aid worker then tried to explain to him that, you know, these were traumatised people that had survived concentration camps. And he answered, personally, I doubt it. I've never looked at a group of people who seem to be more lacking in intelligence and spirit. Crikey. There was a very Trumpian tendency to say contradictory and conflicting things, more or less as a way of getting attention, I think. He did similar things with black soldiers, you know, to their face. He praised them, bigged them up massively and said how proud everyone would be of them. But privately, he wrote that he didn't think they were clever enough to work on armoured vehicles. But what it doesn't account for as well is the fact that as the war war on, there were just increasing numbers of hospitalizations were psychological rather than physical. And it's not really surprising, really, after people have seen 
all of that stuff, and particularly if you look at any of the kind of harrowing, even cinematic reconstructions of the like the the pushes into Europe by the various armies that that went to defeat the Nazis, it's just full on stuff. So I'm I'm astonished in a way that anyone could not have been a gibbering wreck right. <laughs> by like day two. I'm amazed constantly at the incredible bravery or ability to shut off that part of the brain. But it, it, it is interesting, isn't it? Because he represents a certain view of warfare, which I think seems quite alien to us generally. But it has become a taboo subject, hasn't it? To speak of combat as anything other than a, you know, a terrifying, traumatic ordeal. But there are certain people, and Patton was obviously one of them, who he really had this kind of bloodlust and he saw yes. his whole identity as being bound up in this warrior mentality and he just really, really enjoyed it. The people that you need when you're fighting for your survival are the very people who are kind of dangerous to normal life afterwards. Mm. That's very good, yeah. Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> That's a that's a very good observation. Well, I think. thanks. I don't know if it's going to make the list of quotes that are as long as the ones from Patton. Can we just briefly do some Patton quote bingo? I don't know if you've got some others you haven't haven't gone through yet. I'll give you like my top five. Okay, so um, yeah, go in at five. Better to fight for something than live for nothing. I mean, that's a I actually genuinely like. That's I can good. see why that quote has resonated yes. over the years. Yeah, um, but it doesn't, yeah, doesn't have the spiciness that you want from him. Uh, at four. <laughs> It would be, uh, if you put the letter S in front of Hitler, you have my opinion of him. <laughs> Good one. Simple, elegant. Uh, in at three, uh, the object of war is not to die for your country, but to make the other bastard die for his. Mm. Yeah, provocative. Yeah, spicy. That's yes, good. yeah. yeah. Um, two, and I just think this just perfectly captures what he did. Like he tapped into what people already thought and just said it in a really simple way. May God have mercy on my enemies, because I will not. <sighs> my, yeah, uh, but my number one general pattern quote here it is: "This bastard has put his c- in a meat grinder, and I've got the handle." <laughs> what he said at a strategic that military sounds... planning meeting about the Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> I love that it's about the Battle of the Bulge as well. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say it happened in like a butcher shop or something. Yeah. I was really hoping that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be a metaphor. Tomorrow. 94% of Americans reported visiting a mall at least once a month. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors.